This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's almost like I would go to a tournament knowing I'm going to get a check now. Now let's let's try to make that a top 20. Okay, now let's now let's make that a top 10. Well, now we need to start pushing to try to try to win these and and I think with the family side of it too, it's like as I've realized just how important that time is, and if I'm gone, I kind of don't rate success of anything less than a than a win anymore. And so, you know, that's in, in our sport, that's a tremendous tremendous amount of pressure to put on yourself. But that's kind of the way I, I, I rank a successful tournament. Um, you know, if it's less than a win, there's something I missed out on. This is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Fascinating stories to amaze, encourage, and inspire you in fishing, fitness, and the outdoors. And we're brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. I started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends, people that I admire and respect, and you. It has been a learning journey that's made me a better person, a better fisherman, a better father, and a better athlete. I'm so happy that you're on this journey with me, and I'd love to hear from you with show suggestions, guest suggestions, or questions. The best way to get a hold of me is through text. You can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response, but if you prefer to email, you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com. That's a dedicated email address just for the show. If you like this show, you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me. Text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How-To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or 
you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, everybody. I'm Ott Defoe, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. I'm a professional angler on the Major League Fishing Bass Pro Tour and the 2019 Bassmaster Classic Champion. All right. Ott, how are you, man? I'm doing good, Tom. I'm doing good, Tom. I appreciate you having me on, and uh, I've been looking forward to this. I know we've been trying to make it happen for a while, and I'm glad we're finally able to. We have, and uh, I thank you for for doing that because I know that, you know, as a professional bass angler and certainly with the schedule that you have, days like this are not not that uh, frequent, I would imagine. You're, how how yeah. many days are you on the road? It's pre-COVID, um, you know, it was, it was like 200 plus days a year, um, you know, gone, gone a lot. It's still, you know, in the 150 ish range, I would say, you know, a few less days, um, you know, just a few less engagements and things to mm-hmm. go to now, but definitely still gone, you know, a, a whole bunch, half the year or so anyway, it seems like. So, so uh, yeah. So pre-COVID, very busy you were doing more like boat shows, more, um, mm-hmm. you know, Bass Pro signings, stuff like that. And then that, absolutely that's what stopped kind of yeah yeah a lot, lot of the extra appearance stuff you know kind of the the other you know couple of days here couple of day there type things um have done less of those in the past you know in the past year two years or so than, than what we were doing right right mm-hmm. um well i've been following your career for for a while and uh as i started to lead up to this podcast i did a little more uh research on you and you just you just have such an inspirational motivational, incredible story. That's, that's, it's kind of like out of a storybook. I mean, <laughs> you, you started fishing with your dad and, and yeah. you, I'm sure you've told this story a million times where you guys fish for, I don't know what, a couple of years and didn't cash a check. And then, yeah. then you start happening and then yeah. you make your way all the way to winning the 2019 Bassmaster classic. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's a kid getting into the you know starting to getting cut from the basketball team and yep. and starting to play and winning a world <laughs> championship. I mean that's that's like the path of the most humble beginnings to the biggest yep. stage in your sport. So yeah. tell tell me about that a little bit because it yeah. I, I just find it really interesting like how you started and then mm-hmm. and where this turned into like something completely different than you and your dad yep. out there trying to scratch out a couple of fish, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it was, um, we, we took a, took a family trip to Lake Okeechobee down in Florida. Um, a place I'm, I'm sure you've been some over the years, but, um, you know, that was taking that trip there. We'd always watched it on TV. I'd always watched Roland Martin shows and stuff down there. And, and we just, you know, wanted to go fish there, wanted to go experience it and, uh, and hired a guy down there and went out and just had an unbelievable day of fishing and just a, truly a surreal experience. I would think I was nine years old at the time. Um, so it was, an, you know, that place coming from East Tennessee, we've got mountains, we've got lakes, we've got rivers, but to go, I mean, completely out of anything I have ever seen before to, you know, great big cypress trees and Spanish malls hanging from them and, 
you know, watching crocodile or alligators swim around and people here call them crocodiles because they don't know any different. But <laughs> I know <laughs> well, I'm from Tennessee out. too. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> yeah. a crocodile. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, but watching alligators swim around and um, you know, I mean, just all all the things that are just an overwhelming experience, you know, as a as a nine-year-old kid when it's the first thing you saw it. Um that man, I knew then I wanted to be a bass fisherman. I didn't I didn't necessarily tournament or guide or whatever. I just knew I wanted to be on the water as much as I possibly could. Um, but then we went to attended a Bassmaster Classic and I was like, now that's that's pretty cool because I, I wasn't a competitive, uh, I wasn't built for standard sports when I was a kid. I was the smallest kid in my class. I was one of the, I was the youngest kid in my class. Um, you know, so regular sports really just didn't suit me. I, I wasn't very coordinated. I wasn't built for them. Um, but I, I wanted to be competitive as, as most people do, you know, I mean, I think we all have a little bit of a competitive spirit. And once I started fishing, and saw that there was a, you know, and watched the classic to see that competition side of it. I was like, that's, that looks like fun. That's a way to be outside. It's a way to be outdoors in God's creation and to also feed that competitive side. Um, I knew right away that that was something I wanted to do. And it was, we, we came home from that trip in Florida and found a tournament like the next weekend or a couple of weeks later or something and signed up and went and fished it. And I fished that tournament with my dad that was the first tournament he had ever fished. I mean, he had, he had never fished tournaments before either. He wasn't a bass fisherman. Um, you know, we, we would go fishing and stuff and just fish for whatever we call, but that, that lit the fire. And I've got a brother that's a couple of years older than I've got a brother that's several years older. Um, and you know, they, they enjoyed it as well. Um, and, and fished a lot of tournaments and stuff too. And, uh, my brother, it's a couple of years older, still does fish some and, helps run some tournaments, but that was, that was what got it all started. And from there, it was just progression. I mean, from, you know, that was, I was nine or 10 years old at that point in time, the next calendar year, I think we fished like 50 tournaments, Really, no, no joke. I mean, dad went and counted up at the end of the year, it was 50, um, you know, so it was something every weekend in the summer, a couple of week, little Tuesday night, Thursday night stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we, we hit it full bore. <laughs> and so he, he was into it as much as, as you were. Now, was he into it because he was getting to spend this this great amount of time yeah. with you? And I don't know, maybe your maybe your brother was fishing mm-hmm. with you guys too, but did he did he kind of embrace this activity as as a, a father son kind of activity, or was he also into the, the fishing aspect as much? Uh, all, all the above, but largely a father son activity. And, and it was because there are two of us as brothers and just one dad to take us, um, you know, we would have to split up. So like what we, you know, met some other people that fished a good bit and would fish tournaments. So I may fish with that guy this weekend and then fish with dad the next weekend. And, you know, my brother and I would swap back and forth, you know, he had fished with him. I'd fish with dad, vice versa. We'd go back and forth, but it, it was, it was largely a, a, a time, you know, a way for, us to spend time together and that having kids now that Abby's 14 and and Parker and Lizzie are twins or 10. I can, I can see where dad was at with that because I mean, I love to go to their games and watch them and, and, you know, I mean, cheer them on when they're playing basketball and volleyball and all that kind of stuff. But when you're actually the one competing on the team with them, you know, it's a lot of fun. That's I, I get to captain Parker and his, uh, and his fishing tournaments, um, when I'm home and to watch him and his buddy fish together, that's a ball. And I, I love it. 
I like it more when he and I are fishing together, you know, and we're fishing in a tournament yeah. together. So I, I, I totally get dad's, you know, dad's enjoyment of that, that we're, it was he and I working together or, you know, men, some of our other friends that, that we fished with, but um, yeah, it definitely was a, so when you, thing to do uh, together. Where, and your son is fishing now. Yeah. On the, they have like a lot of high school and junior tournaments. Right. He's on the junior side. And so mm-hmm. at some point, you know, you, you needed to kind of, you said you captain him or your, or at some point you're like a, I would imagine that you want to fish with your son, but mm-hmm. you're coming with, you know, this incredible resume. Do they let you in like <laughs> little, little coffee can tournaments and stuff like that? Or is it like, Oh no, uh-uh, no, we're not letting <laughs> that guy in here. Right. Yeah. There, there's some that let me and there's some that don't even, even with Parker, um, even with my son. Um, and, and I never fish any tournaments around here anymore with, you know, but just buddies that are my age or whatever. Um, I, I don't do that at all. If, if I fish a local tournament, I'll I fish with Parker. Sure. Um, but, uh, but, uh, there are there are some that are like more than happy to have me would love for me to come fish every week win lose or draw that they wouldn't care at all right and there's some that are i mean they have rules in place or they just you, you ask the guy and they're like ah, well i would really rather you not with your son or not that's just the way it is have you ever thought about like like you're starting this um, when you're, when you're young and you had this experience when you're nine and you and your dad start fishing and then you fish a whole bunch and mm-hmm. you had nothing to lose. You had, you had, yeah. you're learning every single week. Everything is new. You're, you know, if you catch a big fish, it's going to be a huge deal. And now your son comes into it and he's having the, the total opposite experience. Like he's been around this his whole life. It, you know, uh-huh. he's got your last name and it, what do you think the difference is between those two experiences? And have you thought about that or talked to your son about it? Like, does he feel pressure? I, 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 I haven't thought that much about it. I think Jenny probably does more than I have. Um, but the way Parker is, there's no doubt he has thought about it. Um, cause he is, he certainly favors Jenny. I mean, just in, in his thought process and his personality and a lot of stuff. Um, Abby, our oldest daughter, she and I are cut from the same cloth. <laughs> Parker and Jenny are, are very similar. And Lizzie's kind of just her own mean mix in between. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she is, she is a, a very aggressive ball player. They're, they're all very talented. I, I feel like they're pretty talented, but she is, she's the one that's got the, got the fire. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think, uh, I do think with partner, Parker's just his demeanor and stuff. Um, I, I'm sure he is, he has thought about that. I, I don't, because I don't feel like, I don't feel like I, I certainly don't try to put that pressure on him. I never intend to, I want him to enjoy it because he enjoys it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't want him to, to feel that pressure I, because it's, I guess if you think about it, it's completely unfair. I mean, that's right. not, you know, whatever, whatever accomplishments God has blessed me with, you know, they, they came through a lot of hard work and, and just his, and in my opinion, I, I give all that. I mean, for me, I give all that glory to God, but it's, it's been his blessing and and through, you know, through divine appointment and through hard work, um, you know, so I, I never feel like I try to put that pressure on Parker, but, he may him on his on himself, right. you know. It's hard not to for a young for a young man. I mean, no matter mm-hmm. no matter what they're doing, you know, they're they're 
they're in some way living in the shadow. It's funny. I have three kids too. And, and they're all very different. Just like you described, like <laughs> one does one thing, one does another, the middle ones yeah. kind of in between. And they all, and, and, and in some ways, like even, in, even with wrestling, I mean, I wasn't like a, a, a great wrestler. I was probably a, a, a mediocre wrestler, maybe one of the best in the state when I was in, in high school, but didn't continue it on any further. And even okay. just that with my son was, he, he felt pressure like, wow. Yeah. Like you, you did well in wrestling. Now I'm expected to do well in wrestling. And, and, wow. and for a while he moved away from it. Like he didn't want yeah. anything to do with it. And he, in fact, he moved to a sport that I didn't have any idea. I didn't know anything about. He he became a lacrosse yeah. player and, okay. and he just kind of, and I, I, I didn't even know the rules of lacrosse. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah. he, he found that like, okay, this is my thing. And, right. and that was really interesting. Yeah. But then later he came back to wrestling and he certainly has embraced fishing and hunting and, and all of that as he's matured a little bit. But I think that he, you know, he certainly felt a lot of pressure early. And I just, I, yeah. you know, it's, it's just an interesting conversation, parent to parent that, you know, yeah. how you, how you deal with those kind of things and how you encourage, but don't, don't pressure. And, yeah. you know, it's a fine line. It's a real balance as you're, mm -hmm. as you're doing that. And what ha, have you had those conversations or has he shown, uh, like a, 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 a desire to move forward or, or, or kind of push it away at times or, yeah. Yeah. Both. Um, yeah, that, definitely. There's been phases of both. It, it seems like, um, you know, there, there's times when, when I, I don't ask him, ask you much cause I don't want to put any extra pressure, but Jenny just be like, you know, what, what do y'all, I mean, she has asked them all or, or they'll be doing something at school of, you know, writing a paper on what they want to be when they grow up type thing. Um, and sometimes he'll, he'll say that he wants to be a pro fisherman, you know, and, and so that that's obviously neat to hear him actually say it. And then other times it's, you know, I mean, he, he doesn't have any desire much to go fishing, you know, so that, which is funny to me because at, at 10, like he is, that was the age where I was just, I mean, eat up with it mm -hmm. really, you know, that it really got started for me where at like seven or eight, I mean, he was, you know, he was as gung ho about it as he's ever been. So it's, it's, you know, it goes through phases. I think like it does with, uh, with kids at, at that age where, you know, something will get on their mind and, and they really embrace it for a while and then they may burn out for a little bit, but they may come back to it. Nice. Um, so you're, you're a guy that is known for, for your family and, and, mm -hmm. you know, being close with your wife and, and being a, being a good dad and everything like that. Um, but you, you look at, at your schedule, you look at your, your career wins. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. You've been in the classic eight different times. You won it once you've been 83 times in the money. This is coming off the internet. So maybe it's not exactly accurate, but <laughs> correct me if it's not, but, uh, I mean, everything on the internet's right. I think but you got six first place finishes, three second place finishes, a bunch of third place finishes, top 10, something about you were, um, in the money, where is it? It's like some, some re ridiculous statistic about being in the money, like a, a really big percentage of the time. I don't know why I know I have it down here, but it's, it's, um, I don't know. You're in the money a lot. <laughs> you're, 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 you're really, um, there. And, and for a lot of people that maybe they're saltwater fishermen, they're, they're, they're aware of what goes into being a professional bass fisherman. They're okay. aware that there are, you know, that your guys are on the road for a long time. And, mm -hmm. but 
but they don't really know what goes into it. For me, I look at it as professional bass fishermen, rodeo cowboys, and professional wrestlers. That's about the most hardcore schedule of yeah. anybody I see out there, other than maybe an entertainer that's going from concert yeah. to concert. But I mean, how 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 do you how do you balance that? Like that's a really interesting yeah. thing to me about how you have managed to balance that and not only be extremely successful in your career in your fishing career, but also hold it together at home and and mm. manage to to balance that and thrive with your family. Has that been yeah. has that been a, a balancing act for you? It, it definitely has, and it and it's one of those things that you know kind of. First, I have to say, I mean, I have a rock of a wife. I mean, she's she's unbelievable. Um, I mean, to to manage this season of our life, it has gotten to be the very busiest um, in multiple ways. I mean, with the kids being the age they are, being in sports like they are, you know that Abby never did really any any school sports until just the last couple of years. So that was kind of our first taste in it. The twins were still young enough that they weren't really doing much yet. Um, but now they all three have their own schedules, their own set of friends, their own places that they have to be. Um, so when I'm gone, she basically lives in the car. We're about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from from where the kids go to go to school at. So there's a lot of back and forth and back and forth and back and mm-hmm. forth, um, you know, multiple times a day. But number one, that's what I got to say first. That I, I've got an unbelievable um, support system and and my family and my wife, especially and our, and our kids. Um, but it, it grew to that, you know what I mean? So starting out, I was fishing the Everstar series where I'd fish three tournaments a year and I was gone for three weeks or four weeks if I made the championship. Well, then, then it was six and then it was eight and then it was, you know, stayed there for a while and then it was maybe 10 or 12. And then, you know, to the point now where tournament wise, it's, I think this year I ended up fishing about 12 or 13 tournaments that you're basically gone ballpark a week for, um, some a little more, some a little less. And, you know, then as the sponsorship portfolio has grown, it's a couple of days here for this one, a couple of days there for that one. So it, it was never like just a brick wall of, you know, I'm gone 20 days this year, the next year I'm gone 200. It, it grew and grew and grew. Um, so it kind of, the normal just constantly was, was changing to where this is where we are now. Um, you know, what was, the the season that was probably my favorite was when the the kids were all young and we camped and they went to every tournament. I mean, we we had a had a fifth wheel camper. I would pull a camper. Jenny would pull a boat. And up until Abby was in like second grade, um, we went. They went to everything. I mean, there wasn't a tournament they did not go to. And uh, that was certainly my favorite season because just all the places we got to go, the memories we got to have, time spent in the campgrounds in the evenings. Um, if we were gone a week or if we were gone four, it didn't matter yeah. because we were all there together. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, I, I, it seems like I know other bass fishermen that, that do that. Their family just goes with them. Mm-hmm. Joey Nania, for example, he, mm-hmm. he just takes his family everywhere. And yeah. like, like you say, it, it's going to be four weeks. It's going to be six weeks. It's going to be two weeks, what, whatever. It's, everybody's going and it's yeah. just a, just a traveling kind of thing. Yeah. But what, what point does that change and why, why do you make the decision to, to, to change that? Yeah, it, it it got to the point to where with with school for Abby, I mean, they go to a Christian school, a, a small private Christian school, and they were very willing to let us take them take the kids out as much as we needed to. Um, you know, if they did their schoolwork, 
and especially um, if you were doing it now, especially with the way that they can do virtual mm-hmm. learning. Right. But, um, but it was before all that. Um, but I mean, they were more than supportive of it, of them being with us, you know, of us all going to these places as a family, um, probably more so than a public school would have been. And it, and so that was, that was wonderful, but it got to the point to where Abby is that her, her missing a week of school or 10 days of school. And this was again, pre virtual learning or anything. It was hard when she'd come back, but just because their curriculum, you know, it was hard for her to get caught back up. And it was, it was honestly putting a lot of stress on her. And so at that point we were like, we need to need to kind of figure something out. And there were, there was a couple of years in there where the twins would Jenny and the twins would still go. Abby would stay home with my mom or her mom or, or whoever, and, you know, still go to school and stuff. Um, so we did that for a year or two. And then it got to the point to where the twins had kind of reached that grade. It's like, well, you know, now we've got two of them that Jenny was having to help, you know, do their work on the road. And it just, it kind of got to that point. And certainly once they got into sports and stuff, it was like, they've got their own schedules and missing practices and games and everything else. And it just, they, they had their own lives kind of at that point and, uh, and, and hard to, hard to get to do that at all. And that's, I've seen it with, with friends of mine, you know, that, that did that, that, traveled as a family completely and maybe about the time i got started that their kids had kind of you know had kind of taken the time off from going on the road with with dad you know like that and i've seen i've seen other ones go through it and i'm um i didn't realize it at the time but then i'm able to look back and be like man i'm i'm so glad we did what we did when we did it Mm -hmm. yeah you can't you can't replace that time and Mm -hmm. and it and and you know my kids are a little bit older than yours i've got a 23 a 21 and an 18 and my daughter just left for college so all of a sudden we're we're left with with no one at home anymore which is a strange chapter in your life it's 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 a time where you know everything in my life revolves around the kids and then they're gone yeah. And in one ha- on one hand, you're super happy that you've raised these kids that are self-sufficient enough to be out there on their own and they're doing they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. And on the other hand, man, you just you just miss them. And then yeah. then you just sit around and you're like, man, this this house is very quiet. <laughs> like, right. like everything yeah. is so quiet. It's just incredible. Yeah. But um, yeah. the, the times that we that we spent together and, it, you know, it lo- just like yours it's it you can't replace it and you yeah. it's it's just something to be super thankful for yeah well that's cool um and i was going to ask you about the the camp and, and and how you travel how do you travel now do you what do you do now that that you're yeah. you're kind of on your own on the road yeah uh, andy montgomery and i have have okay. room together even even when so i mean a few tournaments here and there when jenny and the kids didn't go really on from the time i started on the elite series um which was 2011 they went to basically everything when I was at FLW and then starting on the, on the late series. Um, that was the year that the twins were born. So Jenny, they came to some, but she was far enough along. She didn't need to travel too much. So that like that first year, Andy and I roomed together some the next couple of years, not quite as much because Jenny and the kids were, were at most everything. Um, and then kind of as that season started to change again, he and I roomed together basically all the time now. Um, and for the most part, we rent houses, um, we just, we've gotten to where we like that better. Um, you know, if we can't find something decent, we just do a hotel, but we enjoyed, you know, having a house and having decent amount of space and good parking. It's usually always safe. And, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, kind of the way we, we go most of the time now. That, that probably helps 
considerably to have some sort of a traveling partner like I would, yeah. I would imagine somebody that's going through a lot of the same kind of stuff and the airbnbs have got to have made a big difference i would imagine mm-hmm. in that lifestyle of being able yeah. to rent that house and do it do it easily and and well in advance and find what mm-hmm. you're looking for where before it's like it's probably the camper or it's a uh-huh. uh, hotel on these yeah. lakes where you yeah. never know what you're going to get. Like some of these, exactly. you know, yeah, it, it was a, uh, you got a buddy that lives in the area and his uncle's brother's cousin has a house that, you know, they got a lake house. They ran over here on occasion where you get over there and nobody's been in it in six months right. and cobwebs everywhere. So <laughs> yes. but that was but before Airbnb and VRBO, it was definitely a, uh, a little tougher go on renting houses, but yeah, that, it's, it's so much easier now. And, and, you know, pretty much what you're going to get before you get there. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's, that's the way we, we try to go most of the time. It's because I mean, a hotel is, it, you just, it's not that piece of quiet, you know, I mean, I, I had to, I had to stay in one for an event. I was at this other day, Jenny and I did. And, you know, somebody across the hall, open the door, shutting the door, open the door, shutting the door. It's just, yeah. Where if you're in your own, own space, own house, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I want to shift the conversation a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You, you know, we talk about this kind of storybook career where you start from real humble beginnings and you, you reach the highest stage of that, that you can. And to me, there's, you know, like the people that you're fishing against, they're all great. I mean, they're, they're all great. And on any given day, probably one of those guys could make it, any one of those guys could probably make it happen. And, Absolutely. and, and so in that regard, fishing, just especially bass fishing, but a lot, a lot of type of fishing can be one with, with your mind. Like you can, mm-hmm. it's a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a, it's a game plan. It's, you know, call it what you want. Um, but you know, when you first get into something and like you and your dad don't cash a check for a couple of years and you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're participating in these tournaments yeah. Yeah. and then, then you kind of, that participation might kind of, uh, kind of develop into, well, now we're kind of, maybe we might even be competitive in these tournaments, but at some yeah. point the mindset shifts from, mm-hmm. I'm not participating in these tournaments anymore. I am, I'm going there to win. Yeah. And, or, or maybe even there's a, there's, there's kind of a development process of, mm-hmm. of you're going there and you want to be in the top 10 or you want to, yeah. you want to cash a check every time, but to yeah. make it to where you have, have gone somewhere along the line, that mind shit, shit, that mindset shifted to like a predator mindset. Like I am mm-hmm. here to win. Like, yeah. can you go through that process of how, how that has developed for you over time? Yeah, that, that really is. And it's something I, I don't truly think about that much, but it, it most definitely has a, a quick little piece on that. When, the bass club that I started off in when I was, I would have been 12 or 13. And so I had to fish with dad because you had, it was a draw club. So you know, we were all members of the club and, and you would put your name in a hat and you would get drawn out with whoever and fish with different people every week. Actually, I guess I was 14 because I had to fish with dad. I wasn't 16 at, at mm-hmm. 16. You could go in the draw and my brother was so, um, and we fished in that for a, a couple of years and we were exactly what you said to start with. We were participating. We never, never gotten the money ever. And this is like a 20, 30 boat or 20 or 30 guy deal. You know I mean? Not, not very big. Didn't, didn't take a ton, a ton of weight to do well in this. And then it shifted to the point of what you were saying where 
like, okay, you're getting some money here or there. And then it got to the point to where that's all we were doing was, was winning, you know, about all the time. And, uh, and one of the guys in that club actually made the comments that it was a lot better when y'all were just here <laughs> donating, you know, so, and everybody <laughs> likes you better. <laughs> yeah. So we liked y'all better then. Uh, but, uh, but it, it really has. And it, and it's changed that, that, you call it a predator mindset. And I kind of like that in the last, in the last two or three years, really around the time of the classic, um, you know, kind of around that season, I guess. And maybe it, maybe the classic was kind of the catalyst for it. Um, you know, I mean, that event being at home, I personally, I, I would have felt like if I didn't win, I didn't accomplish my goal. And, and that, you know, I've, I've felt that way for a long time. I, I want to win every tournament that I fish in. Um, but then once we, that was the, the year we also started major league fishing and, and the Bass Pro Tour and stuff was 2019. And in those events, just, I don't know if it's something with the way the format is, if it's the way the structure of the event where you have those cuts and resets and that type of stuff. Um, I, I feel like if I don't go there, truthfully, make a top 10, I didn't have a very good, like my, my standard of what is good anymore is pretty high. And I just, I have put that on myself completely starting off. It definitely was, I, I have always, and that, but I don't know what the percentage is on, on the check cashing deal that you were trying to look at earlier, but I have always prided myself on getting a check. Like that was, uh, and they come from the fact I, I don't I don't need to know it, Tom. I was just that, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm just I, wondering I where were, it went. I know I yeah, copied I, it down I know here. You were, <laughs> you were looking for it earlier, but it you know when I started off, I didn't have any sponsors, and so if I didn't get a check, I lost money right. by going to that event. And so it was extremely important for me to get a check. At least that way, I'd put a little bit of something back in the bank. It didn't didn't cost me the time off of work, the entry fee, the travel, all all that stuff. It was very important for me to get a check at every single event, and it it I got good at that. I got I got really good at that to to the point where I, I rarely missed one. Um, and then knowing it's almost like I would go to a tournament knowing I'm going to get a check now. Now let's let's try to make that a top twenty. Okay, now let's now let's make that a top ten. Well, now we need to start pushing to try to try to win these, and and I think with the family side of it too, it's like, as I've realized just how important that time is. And if I'm gone, I kind of don't rate success of anything less than a, than a win anymore. And so, you know, that's in, in our sport, that's a tremendous, tremendous amount of pressure to put on yourself, but that's kind of the way I, I, I rank a successful tournament. Um, you know, if it's less than a win, there's something I missed out on. Do you think that um, as you look back on your career at this point and you see where those where 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 those mindset shifts took place, like if you're going there and your goal is to get a check, how many times are you going to win with that mindset versus the other, you know, going going for it? Because, you know, you can you can I mean, I don't know that much about bass fishing, but I do know about tournament fishing in saltwater. Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of opportunities where you can play it safe. And you could definitely make it into the top 10 by playing playing it safe. You know where the fish yeah. are. You're going to go there. But you also know that you're going to catch what everybody else is catching. And right. then so to win, you're going to have to do something different or you're going to have to take mm-hmm. a risk and you're going to have to swing for the fence. And 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 do you think that if your mindset is get a check, I mean, occasionally it's fishing. You're going to get a yeah. you're going to have a great day every now and then. And maybe yeah. you win something. But to win consistently can you do it with that mindset or do you have to, do you have to have a different mindset? 
you definitely have to have a different mindset because the problem is if you if you're fishing for a check and you miss, now you finish sixtieth. Yeah, where you know, I mean, yeah. that, that truly is. The deal. I finished sixtieth. I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're fishing for a twentieth, or you know, maybe maybe on the verge of making a top ten and you miss, well, you finished fifteenth or twentieth. It was still a really good event. If you're fishing for the, if you're like, man, this is my chance to win, but you miss, you may miss and still finish sixtieth. You may also miss and finish third. You know, so that's kind of that kind of is is to me the difference of it. Um, and and there's really for me the way I look at that in in our practice and one tournament this year in particular was a couple honestly um were, were really good examples of it. Um, our event on the Harris Chain down in Florida. And and I and I and I'll then I'll I'll preface this by saying our you, our events now with major league fishing are pretty unique. You know, with what we fish with bass on the elite series or the classic, that type of stuff is a cumulative weight every day mattered equally. Um, you know, what you call today added to tomorrow, added to the next day, the, the total at the end wins. Well, ours, we we fish two days, and then it cuts, and then it zeros. Those two days are irrelevant at that point. All you had to do was get through it. You get to the next day. Same deal. You just have to get through that day. You make the final day. That last day goes, it, it doesn't matter. It all resets at zero. So we're unique in the fact that each day kind of stands alone. You got to survive. You got to survive. And then you got to win. Um, day one, Harris chain, I did pretty bad. I, I mean, I had like 11 pounds or something. The cut was maybe 18 or 20. So I was like eight or 10 pounds out of the cut. Not that bad, but I wasn't in it. If I go back and catch what I do again, I'm not even going to be close. So I know, I, I mean, and, and that's kind of where it's like a double-edged sword. I'm so, I'm so bad off that I don't have to think about it. I'm like, I can totally scrap that. I'm going to do something totally different because I'm not going to fish that way and try to finish 60th or 50th. You know, or if it, if it was really good, maybe I make the cut barely. I'm going to totally scrap it. I'm going to do something different. I think I'll catch some but I may not. But if I do find them, I might actually make the next round, you know, where I mm -hmm. can still find enough to win the tournament. And that was actually what I did. I, I went out and I had an unbelievable day, found the best area on the lake then and made the, made the next round, won that or made it through that cut easily, make the championship and go out and win the tournament on the final day. So, you know, that's, that's the way that that works. Sometimes um, Chickamauga event, I didn't have a very good practice at all. Um, at Harris Chain, I had a decent practice, but Chickamauga, I had a terrible practice. In the in the first couple hours, I had fished everything that I knew where I could possibly catch one from practice from my two days. I had caught nothing. So at that point in time, I pulled the trolling motor up. I just start graphing. It's a summertime tournament, looking for fish out on ledges. And it was like about an hour into the second period, we're about three and a half hours into the day at this point in time. I still haven't caught any, but I idle across the place, mark a good school of fish. And primarily off that school of fish, I end up with like a 20th place finish out of that event. So, you know, I had totally written off my practice at that point and just started practice over in the tournament <laughs> and ended up coming out with a 20th place finish. <laughs> which which uh, format do you think favors you better? The, the cumulative I, over the course of the days or, or this, the, the new style. I, I, I mean, I just in our three years of this, I've, I've had 
three wins on, on the Bass Pro Tour, two this season, one last. Um, and strictly looking at that success, I, I would say I would say this format, because with the with Bass, I'd, I'd won the Classic, I'd won the Elite Series, but my wins other than that were, were in Opens or special events or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, I don't know that it would have been any different in a five-fish format, to be honest, but I, I enjoy this format better because – like one of my elite series wins or my one elite series win up in Wisconsin, that that's a place where a four pound fish is a big fish. I mean, that's a big one for there. I caught a six pounder one day. Wow. That fish essentially won the tournament for me. I mean, I, I got the advantage of that, you know, that worked in my favor, but is that, was I truly the best judge for the whole week on that body of water? I don't know. I, but I caught that one really big fish that made a really big difference in the outcome. Um, where in ours having to, you got to survive, you got to survive. And then that final day is really when you have to have to show out. I, I think over the course of the event, you see the guys who are on a, on a more consistent bite. Are they catching the biggest fish in the lake? Not necessarily but they're able to get more decent fish to bite than anybody else. Now, when it was the one pound minimum, like what we had, um, you know, like the first year, I, I was successful in that. It, you know, I had some good events, but you could fish different on certain fisheries, only fishing for one pound fish. Mm-hmm. Once we upped it to a two pound minimum, it's a pretty decent fish to, to yeah. be your smallest fish. I mean, I, I cashed a lot of checks in five fish tournaments weighing in sub two pound fish. I'm, now I may have a couple four or five pounders, but I got a couple in there that are, you know, just keepers to go with them. So uh, our two pound minimum, you get to fish the way you like to fish, but then you get to count them all. Hmm. That's interesting. It's, it's really interesting because it, it really is two completely different skill sets two completely different tournaments two completely different television experiences two completely different events but the same kind of people are competing in both of them and one one format will favor a certain angler and and Mm -hmm. the and and they may not really do very well in the other format consistently you know and that's what it's all about and the fishing is the consistency for for the most part um and and one one thing i'll say on that and and i and i may not on, on for myself, but I, I do feel like with the format, you know, that there are some that seem to favor one more than the other angler wise. But if you look at the, if you look at the top 10 on our Bass Pro Tour, the last three years and compare it to when, when we were, you know, when all of the same guys were fishing on the elite series, the names may shift around a little bit here and there, but generally speaking, it's a lot of the same guy. I mean, yep. uh, Jacob Wheeler, Brent Ayler, Justin Lucas. Uh, I mean, a lot of those same guys who are in our top 10 were in the top 10 when we were all right. fishing there. As, you know what I mean? So it does. But there are some guys that may excel a little bit more here or there, but but all in all, um, it's a lot of the same bunch, I feel like, that are I, consistently in the top 10 at the end of the year. In yeah, the points. it's really interesting about that because, you know, what you do and what I do are very different, but that is a very, very, very similar thing where you can go yeah. to any tournament, any format, any species, and the same 10 guys are at the top. 
Now, yeah. things will change, and and, yeah. and a few of those guys will decide that they don't want to fish tournaments anymore, or or, or they they'll they'll have kids or whatever, and they'll drop out, and somebody else will fill their place. But but it's really a lot of the same names. And mm-hmm. I wonder if you have any perspective on that, since you have been on both sides of that. You were you were a guy on the outside looking in, saying, "I wonder what those guys are doing. Wonder how mm-hmm. that happens." And now you are one of those guys. What's the difference? What do those ten guys do? that other people don't yeah a, a big part of it is that mental aspect you're talking about earlier that that decision making um and the decision to go for the win or go for the top 10 when as versus playing it safe but it's also just just thinking ahead of the rest of the field whether that's looking at the forecast and being like man it's i know on my next day of fishing we're going to have a heavy east wind and I need to find a place. I mean, the way the fish are set up now, I've got to find a place that's going to be protected from that. It's going to trash what I'm fishing. So I may, you know, three days ahead, I may be over there where it's terrible conditions practicing for the conditions that I'm going to have in the tournament. You know, so it's just that it's kind of that looking ahead type stuff, trying to stay a step or two ahead of your competition, whether that's cold front coming or that's a wind change direction or you know, a lot of those different factors. Um, but it's, it's really that trying to outthink them more than anything, because we're all pretty physically able to do the same things. We've all got, you know, four or five graphs on our boat. We're, we're all pretty equally paired as far as our, our abilities and our equipment. Um, you know, so that's, it really does a lot of it end up coming down to the mental side of it, of just, just trying to outsmart the other guys or, or outwork them, you know I mean? And that's, well, it's usually any of the resources that were available to, you know, I mean, from online mapping and Google earth and, and that type of stuff. And just, uh, you know, trying to do better research or, uh, once you get to that point, that, that week of mentally thinking and looking at the forecast and trying to, trying to expect what, what the fish are going to do, given the conditions that are coming on, you know, on your competition day is a big part of it. That was one of the questions that I was kind of thinking about asking you was like, what, what are you thinking about, um, in practice? And then what are you thinking about the morning of that tournament and, and how do those things maybe, how do they, they stay similar? How do they change or, or like, what, what are you thinking about? What's, what, what are you thinking about on the morning of, of one of these big tournaments? Yeah. Yeah. For, for practice, for me, um, I try to, I try my best to cover a lot of water, you know, because that's getting generating bites is, is what we've got to do, you know? Um, so trying to find areas that's got just got a lot of life in them period. Um, you know, and, and hopefully I get a few bites out of that, but I'm going to make note of a place that just looks right. You know, that's got all the right ingredients, whether I catch any fish there or not, because I might go through a place that's got all the right ingredients and just not have the fish figured out yet where I may, it may be 10 miles up the lake that I'll make a bait change or I do something else. It's like, okay, here's what these fish are doing. This will work back where I was earlier. I don't even need to go back and check it out. Um, but this will work, you know, where I was at the end. Once I have actually figured the bite out at that point in time. Um, so that's kind of my mindset in practice is just trying to get an idea as to, what the fish are doing if there's a and and pattern fishing is my preferred method where i can find something i can duplicate you know that i can i can work across a a broad spectrum of the lake and not have to count on one spot or two spots type deal um but in the tournament it's my i 
I want to catch them quick. I mean, if I if I've got a place I can start, if I've got a place where I think will be good first thing in the morning, I don't want to dilly dally around and and kind of you know, well, I'll get there in an hour or so. If I've got a good place, and there's a lot of mental part to our game now too, to where you know with Score Tracker and with the other guys you're competing against, knowing what you're catching. Um, I'll be honest and saying I want to bury them as quick as I can. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the goal, you know. I mean, that's uh, you know, that, that's kind of what you're trying to do. So that if you can get, if you can kind of rattle them a little bit, uh, you know, on occasion that'll that'll work in your favor. Sometimes it does, and sometimes you just make them mad, and then they go to practicing and they end up finding something. So, um, but my, my goal is always on tournament morning. I'm going to go where I think has the most potential, um, you know, especially for that time of day wherever it's got the most potential to try to put a lot of fish in the boat quick. How often when you have, you know, a successful practice or you found these techniques that you think are going to work in a lot of different areas and you're looking at the weather and stuff like that. And let's just say without a weather change and you come up with a game plan for your, for your day, how often are you going to change that game plan? Are you, are you the kind of guy that's like, this is the game plan from, from my research and from what I did in practice, this is going to work and I'm going to stay with this or, do you see something over there and you're like, hmm, because I, you know, I'm more of the guy that stays with the plan. And then my partner that I fish with a lot, dude, he'll see a bird and he's like, no, <laughs> we got to go over there. <laughs> and I'm like, what? We just worked on this plan for a week and yeah. you're just, you're just Throwing going off, off. And you know what? I got to say though, it, it works for him sometimes, a lot of times, yeah. but yeah. my plan works a lot of times and it, yeah. and there's two different ways of doing it. And, and yeah. some people are just like, no, man, it's nature, dude. You got to go where nature is showing you, you know, you yeah. see birds diving and stuff like that. Something's going on over there, Yeah, yeah. but you don't know that it's not going on 30 miles down the lake where you were headed. Right. Like what, right. which do you favor? Do you stick to I- the plan or you change? No, I'll, I'll change. I mean, I, I'm a, yeah, I'll, I'll change in, in a moment's notice. Um, <laughs> I mean, I really will. Now, if I've got, if I've got something, that's just like, I mean, absolutely lights out. I, I know where I need to be. Um, I'm probably, I'm not going to let much deter, you know, deter me from that. But if I'm, if it's just okay and I'm just kind of, I'm just going to be fishing man, I'm looking for any other kind of clue, any other God sign that I can, that I can find that I'm going to take and try to run with. Um, I absolutely am. Um, but the, the, the Harris chain tournament, I'll go back to that one because that one was a pretty unique one. As far as that goes, that the, so the first day I had that bad day, well, my next day of fishing, um, I was running around in Lake Harris and I'm running down through there and, I'll see some birds sitting on this dock and it was a shad spawn going on. And I had knew that from practice. Um, and those birds are a great indication of, as to where that, you know, that bait fish is. I see it, four or five birds, like on this one dock. I mean, there's a lot of birds in this one place, but I ride on by and I, I kind of do a lap and I'm looking around, whatever. I'm like, it gets close to time for lines in. We have like a 30 minute ride around. I mean, I've rode a pretty good lap around. I'm like, I want to go where those birds were. I mean, that was the best indication that I had that dock they were standing on. I think I caught 40 pounds off of, <laughs> I mean, so it was, you know, I mean, those, those clues like that, it's like I, I'm, and, and our, our kind of fishing has kind of molded me into that, that type of angler. Um, again, with our format, you, you have, you'll fish a day on a day off, day on day off. Um, so it may have been, you know, 36, 48 hours since you were on the water 
you know how much stuff changes sure. in, in that amount of time. And then in our cup events, we don't get any practice whatsoever. You pull up to the lake that you've never been to before, they hand you a map and say, go bring me a bass, you know? So that's, it, it kind of makes you fish that way, uh, makes you a more in, instinctive angler. And, um, and that's something that I've, I feel like I've embraced and, and really enjoy doing. Yeah. It's interesting just to, the, the the difference in the game plan and both of them both of yeah. them can work um oh yeah so back in 2019 you you have it arguably your best year mm-hmm. but my research shows that you also had a health issue in 2019 yeah. right after that mm-hmm. so um yeah. how did how did you uh start to realize that something was not quite right and what did yeah. you do about it yeah. Yeah. It, it was actually immediately following the classic that the symptoms show, showed up. Um, I mean, like the Monday after, uh, like that Sunday night, I didn't sleep very good. And that Monday I was just like shortness of breath. And, you know, I, I would get out of breath going up and down stairs or, but especially early on, like then the shortness of breath came a little bit later on, but it, I, I had a little bit, but I would lay down at night and I mean, it just felt like, I mean, I just couldn't, couldn't catch my breath. I almost had to sit up to breathe wow. decent. Um, you know, it was like, once I laid down, it just, it, I can't really say it felt like my lungs filled up with anything, you know, but I could sit up and I could get some relief and I could, I could breathe decent. Um, and so, so much so that the Wednesday following the classic, um, I went to like a, a just a walk-in clinic deal and they said, I probably had bronchitis and gave me some medicine for it. Um, I didn't fix it. I could 10 days later, I went back and, and got some more and minor improvements, but not much. Um, and dealt with it for two and a half, three months. And actually, I think we were at the same Mercury event. Do you remember a Mercury oh, yeah, event up in X. Wisconsin? Yeah. Well, no, this was up in Wisconsin, oh, Wisconsin. and it was, it would have been in like June, mid June of 2019. Okay. Um, I, I think that you were at that, uh, at that deal. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I had that event up there and I connected through Chicago to fly to that. And, you know, in Chicago, you have to, it doesn't have any of the trams or anything. You have to walk all of it. And I'm a pretty fast walker, fairly long legged. And people were just going by me. Yeah. I mean, and I'm like, something's not right here. Uh, got home from, from that. And Jenny got me an appointment just with our primary care, which I had a physical, uh, just a yearly physical schedule for like a couple of weeks later. I'm like, I, something's got to give this just ain't right. Um, cause I dealt with it honestly for like three months and it had steadily gotten worse It never got better. Never, you know, seemed to level out. It just constantly got a little worse and a little worse. Went to that appointment and, uh, everything checked out. Okay. But they did an x-ray of my chest and called me a couple hours later and were like, Hey, your heart is misshaped. It's uh, Whoa. you know, should be like fish shaped, but it's more round. And I'm like, okay, I don't know. You know, I, I wasn't overly concerned. I didn't really know that that was a, a very serious thing at that point. Um, they said, we've got an echo cardiogram scheduled for tomorrow. You need to be at this office this time, blah, blah, blah. And so I go to that and that's they basically do an ultrasound of your heart and, uh, the tech, this was, this is the line I'll, I'll never forget from, from that. The tech is, you know, moving that wand around and, you know, doing pictures of my heart and checking stuff. And, uh, he says, Does anybody ever mention anything about you having a murmur? And I said, No. He goes, hmm. I said, What's hmm mean? That's not that's not what you want to hear from your pilot no. or your doctor. Right, right. Uh, uh, 
He said, well, no, there's definitely reason for you to feel what you're feeling. Um, I'm like, okay. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy anyway. And, uh, and he's like, I can't really say any more than that. You know, your, your doctor who reads this will actually have to be the one to tell you, you know, what's going on. So, um, and that call came the next day and, and yeah, they told me then that I had a torn mitral valve. I didn't know I had a mitral valve, um, but I had, a, had a torn one and I, it was letting more blood go the wrong way than it was the right way, which was causing it to go back into my lungs, which is what was causing huh. the, the shortness of breath and stuff. Um, so, and yeah, so, so that was, what was the, what was the fix? The fix was a, it was, it was heart surgery. Um, it was an open heart surgery, so they didn't have to go through my chest, but they actually went through my side, went between like my eighth and ninth ribs, um, and then went into my heart from there and actually repaired that valve. They didn't have to replace it or do a mechanical or anything like that. They were actually able to replace my own valve or repair my own valve. Um, and then put a band around that artery to make it fit what size the valve was now. So, um, you know, a mechanical or artificial valve or anything like that would have has a 10, 20, 30 year lifespan. Um, you know, then it would have to be fixed again with this repair. It actually should, it should last me my whole life. So that's why they were, they were hopeful to be able to repair it instead of having to, how long did it take until you started feeling better? It was, you know, I mean, I was just them, but they said my ribs were spread apart about where you could, it was either a baseball or softball. You could have got wow. between my eighth and ninth ribs. That's how far apart those were because they had to go in there with a tube to then work inside my heart with. Right. Um, so that soreness was really bad for 10 days or so. Um, you know, I mean, like the, the first day to do that with my arm was just excruciating. Well, the next day I could do that, you know, right. by four or five days I could touch the top of my head, but that was the soreness, but being on the heart bypass and all that stuff, that just, it wipes you out. Um, I mean, energy level and stuff for a week to, and I spent like two nights in ICU one night in a regular room. And then I was able to come home, but, um, for that first week at home to get up, go, you know, to the, to the kitchen, eat a little bit of breakfast. I was ready for a nap. Wow. I mean, that was, that was it. Um, you know, and by the time the second week it ended, I could, I could walk around, I could walk outside and, you know, I could, I could move around a little bit before having to have some rest by about the you know, 20th day, 15, uh, 18, 20th day, something like that. Me and a buddy of mine went fishing for about three or four hours and then I came home and slept. Um, but, uh, but at like week five, I fished a cup event, um, which was, that that was pretty rough, but I, but I got through it. Week eight, I fished red crests, and that was rough, but I got through it. Um, by week twelve, I was I was pretty close to normal. Um, yeah, I, I remember at red crest that we we had the first day of practice was on a Sunday, and we always have our our fishing church on Sundays, but we have it early. And I got up early. I went to that, then I'd practice till like six o'clock or something. So, I mean, I had been, it had been a 14 hour day or something for me. I didn't get out of bed the next morning until like nine o'clock. Um, I I really overdid it on, on that day. Um, but, uh, and and I was able to recover from that, you know, I mean, after wrestling a little bit more that day, but, um, yeah, it was, it was definitely, was that what was expected from the doctors? Like Mm -hmm. they they were going to repair this and it was going to probably take eight to 12 weeks before you really feel the difference or, 
just to get all my energy back. I mean, I could feel the difference in breathing and that kind of stuff. I mean, right away. Yeah. Yeah. That, as far as that goes, that, that difference was, but to actually get like my, to get my energy back. Um, yeah. That, it, and that wasn't really anything from my heart. That was just from, uh, from my understanding from being on that bypass machine, just what it does kind of wow. to your body. It's really a major shock, wow. I guess, to your body. And so um, how are you feeling these days? Oh, I'm, yeah, it's everything's all good. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, even fixed. better? Yeah, oh, yeah. Yep. Fish Absolutely. better watch yeah, everything's out. Everything's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah. um, I mean, when you look back on that, do you do you think that you you should have gone earlier or or – yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely should have, you know, I, and, but I mean, I was 33 years old, right. you know, at that point right. in time, I'm yeah. like, I, I'm sure this is nothing major. Um, you know, was what was going through my mind and, uh, and they were, I mean, the, the doctors and stuff were, were quite surprised. They were like, this, this does happen, but it is very rare. And and what I had wasn't heart disease. It wasn't a heart problem. It, it literally what they said, they called it an event. It, it, no different really than breaking your arm. It huh. just broke. Wow. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't something that a lot of people have a murmur and it may progressively get worse over time or something. Mine happened and it happened all at once. Wow. And, yeah. and did so they say was, that's like a genetic thing or, or, or it's just like breaking an arm. Like it could happen to like anybody. It could arm. happen anytime. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. well, glad you're good and ready to go again, man. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah, thank you. That's, yeah. um, that's a pretty serious pretty serious kind of deal. Did that, did that change your perspective on anything? It, it definitely did. You know, I mean, it, it made me, uh, it made, just made me thankful for every day. I mean, it, it definitely did. And, uh, and, and to know that every day is a blessing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it is one of those things that looking back on it's, it's never something you'd want to happen, but looking back on it, I'm really glad that I, I did, that it did. And, and that, you know, that everything thankfully did, come out the way that it did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I'm definitely glad that it happened as odd as that may sound. Well, it does, you know, you hear that with, with other people that have had what, what, whatever it is, a cancer survivors, or this is kind of the same way mm-hmm. of like, this was the worst thing that ever happened, but it, it gave me a perspective that I would never have had otherwise. And yeah. I'm really glad that it did. And, mm-hmm. um, you, you see it happen with, you know, failure with, yeah. with, with colossal failures that take, take years to get over. And then once yeah. you do, it's kind of like, yeah, I would have never learned the lessons that I, that I know right. today if it hadn't have been for that, but health scares mm-hmm. can be, can be like that too. So yeah. it's, it, I, it's no surprise that you're, I mean, you seem like a super grateful person anyway, but do you, do you, do you think that you're more grateful after that or has, has that kind of gratitude about kind of every day uh, always been there for you? It, it, I feel like I was always, you know, always pretty thankful, but it definitely made it even more so, yeah. you know, just because you, uh, one day you're winning the Bassmaster Classic and the next day you don't really know what's going on, but to find out that whatever happened then, you know, it may even been on stage. I mean, I, I never felt anything, but, uh, but it was definitely somewhere around that time that, you know, that that caused me to absolutely need heart surgery. And that was when I'd had the heart, had a heart cath done which was on a Monday, I ended up having surgery on Wednesday. I mean, they told me after that heart cath, they're like, listen, you, the reason your heart's misshaped is because the pressures inside of it are so high. Wow. Uh, eventually, or had I been an older person and my heart not been young and, and been as strong as it was, it probably truthfully would have already exploded because my 
the pressures inside my heart were just that great. Um, you know, so they're like, you're, you're a very blessed individual to have not come in here in a much different condition. Wow. Well, yeah. good thing, man. Good thing that yeah. you're, you're back on your feet and, and got that, that, that taken care of. And I guess yeah. that if other people have issues kind of like that, it's definitely something you want to get checked out. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's the, you know, that's what, a, if there's anything to tell people, if there's anything odd going on, don't put it off, you know, go, go get it looked at by, by somebody that knows you that, you know, that is a, is a physician you trust and, and get it, you know, get it figured out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as health goes, we have another, um, sponsor in common, uh, mm -hmm. with buff and, yeah. um, you know, the, the sun is, is such an incredibly dangerous thing. It's also a wonderful mm -hmm. thing, right? Like yeah. you get out there in the sun, you get vitamin D, it's super healthy. And, and yeah. if you don't have enough of it, it's super unhealthy, but yeah. doing what you do and doing what I do, you got to like that sun is, is serious. And so yeah. what, what, how did you get um, started with buff and what, yeah. what does that mean to you as far as the sun protection and how yeah. important that is? Absolutely. Yeah. It, it is a big deal because we do spend way more time out in the sun than the average human being. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you and I, you know, I mean, our, 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 the percentage of our life that we're out there, um, you know, is, is more than most. Um, and I, I think we'd both say we're thankful for that. For sure. Um, Absolutely. You know, um, uh, any other way for, I know for me to make a living, if it was indoors, I would probably go crazy. So, <laughs> uh, very, very thankful for that time out there, but it is, uh, you know, for anybody who spends a, any amount of time outside, um, you know, protecting your skin from it's a big deal. The, the the thing that really got me started with buff or really seeking finding that I had a need um, for that, it, holding holding a reel, especially a bait casting reel, the way I grip it in my right hand, that top of that index finger, I could not keep enough sunscreen on it. Yeah, you know, I mean your hands are always getting wet and it's washing off, and in the summertime, especially, I've noticed some spring and fall, but especially in the summertime, the top of that hand would get sun poison on it. It would itch. I mean, every tournament I'd go to after a couple of days of practice, there was nothing I could do to protect it good enough. Um, and my, my face would get burnt and stuff some, but I, you know, I, I would keep sunscreen on it pretty good and, you know, just kind of deal with that. But my hands were something I just, I could not find a way to protect them. Um, and so that got me looking for, you know, for gloves to fish in and the buff gloves were the, were some of the first ones that I went to and, uh, and they did, you know, did a fantastic job and I was able actually to help them design some of the, uh, of those newer style gloves that they've got now, um, you know, some of the thinner and different weight materials and stuff, but, um, but, and then, you know, once I found those gloves and, and I certainly realized that my face was just as important because, let's face it i'm not the i wasn't the world's best at remembering to put sunscreen on the first time or maybe mm -hmm. the second time or the third time that you needed to do it with the with the amount of hours that were out there on the water and sweating and everything else that buff is something i could do once i could put it on protect myself and i'm good to go for the day you know for my ears my neck my face eat my nose everything i could just cover it up with that one time and that at being a tournament angler if I can save a few minutes a day of not having to reapply sunscreen multiple times, that's more minutes than I'm fishing. So, uh, you know, it was a necessary thing for health reasons. And also to be honest, a more convenient thing for me, um, doing what I do. Did you notice when you first started using that feeling better? Cause that was the, that was the, that's the reason why, I mean, on the first day, 
I checked it out and I found the buff really super, super early because uh, one of my customers found it in a motorcycle shop and I was trying okay. to wear bandanas and all this kind of stuff and it'd leave big areas open on right. the side of my neck. And But I just noticed that every time that I covered up more, whether that was a mm-hmm. big floppy hat or whether it was long sleeves or pants or whatever, every little thing that I did to cover up, I had a little yeah. bit more energy at the end of the day yeah. and, and a little bit more energy through the day. And when I started mm-hmm. covering up my face and not, you know, some days you'd be fine and it wouldn't be that bad, but other yeah. days, you know, the fishing's real good and, and you're throwing the cast net and you're doing all this other stuff and you, you know, your hands are all wet and you, you just don't put the sunscreen on and you get yeah worked and then for the rest of that week you feel you feel kind of rough and tired Mm -hmm. and burnt and just uh, crispy and when i put that buff on the first time i was like wow i feel a lot better at the end of the day and that's you know for me anything that i that i try and then i stick with it usually comes down to did it make a big difference in the way that i i felt like Mm -hmm. did i notice that like right you know, it's kind of like stepping into the air conditioning and you're like, oh, yeah, it's way better in here. That's right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's not like I, yeah. I kind of think it might be a little bit better. It's like all right. of a sudden you're like, whoa, this is different, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. Does it make you feel different like that? It, it definitely does. Yeah. I mean, it, and it's what you kind of what you said there. You know, one day you may, you know, may notice it or not, um, but so many multiple days in a row on the water. You know, if you get go out and you get burnt, well, then you then you go back to work the next day. That's what you, you think it looks cool because you can show off to your buddies right. that you spent the weekend, in, you know, spent Saturday afternoon in the sun. But for us, I mean, being out there all day long, day after day after day, you can't do that on top of itself and on top of itself because then that's all you're going to feel and you're not going to be able to concentrate on what you need to be concentrating on. So, um, and it and it is. I mean, even at the end of the day, just that one day. I feel like you've got so much more energy. Um, and that's, I, I pretty much always summertime. I fish in long sleeve shirts. I do use the fishing shorts. Um, but from my knees up is covered basically. Um, you know, so that's, that, that's kind of the way that I, I pretty much go. And, and it is, I mean, you're, you just have less of that sun beating on your body and it, it definitely does take a little less out of you by covering yourself up that way. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. For me too. Um, so you have a, you have a foundation, right? Not well, not a foundation, but through Buff that we're we've doing uh, doing a, a deal, kind of a special thing with some custom buffs um, that uh, that a, a deal that Casey there had had you know kind of started up for us. But um, yeah, doing a, a deal with a custom buff there of a buy one give one. So the give one is going back to student anglers. You know, high school fishing, uh, bass fishing, especially tournaments and stuff, has grown to be a really big thing. Um, and this is a deal where for every buff purchased, we're going to give one away to one of those high school anglers. Oh, that's so, cool. you know, just to be able to, to pass those on to them. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's a really, really neat program that, uh, that we kind of got structured with them and it's going really well so far. Oh, that's cool. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So <clears throat> I just want to ask you a couple of questions right at the, at the end of, of this, and I appreciate your time so mm-hmm. far, but you know, um, everybody's got like, well, not everybody. Some people have none of this, but I'm assuming that you probably do. You got non-negotiables, things that you're going <laughs> to do or not do in the course of a day. And I'm wondering yeah. if you thought about, you know, a couple of your non-negotiables when you wake up in the morning, these are things that are going to get accomplished or that you're never going to do. It could be, you know, I, I'm not doing that. Uh, 
what what are what are some of your non-negotiables on a daily basis? That's uh that's interesting. Well, well, the thing I always try to start my morning with is when I open up my phone is to read a, a verse of scripture. I mean, that's my, that's my first. I try to make that my first move every single day. I don't always succeed in that, but that's that's kind of my my go to thing is to look at that. Um, man, as far as any kind of non negotiable, that's. That's a pretty tough question. I, I'm trying to, is this in fishing or is this in anything, life or is this in, anything? Could be anything? both. Yeah. Um, man, that's a, can't really even think of anything else to go to kind of go along. You, you hit me with a pretty deep one right there out of the blue. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I mean, just uh, to, to be, you know, to be a good person, to be a good, be a good husband, be a good father um, as best I can. That's a, uh, yeah, I mean that those are those are what I strive to do every single day. Yeah. Nice. I like it. And uh if you were to um think about like let's just say uh things didn't go quite the way that they, they did with your with your heart, what would what are some things that it when 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 it's when it's your time, mm-hmm. what are some things that you want to be known for in this life? Yeah. Uh kind of uh, well, I was, you know, saying there a little bit, number one, to be a, that, that I was a Christian, that I loved the Lord and, uh, you know, that I tried to try to bring others to him. Um, that I was a good husband, a good father. Um, and then as professional wise, just that I played the game the right way, you know, that I was, that, that I, I did everything the way that you were supposed to, you know, I, I respected others the way I'd want to be respected on, on and off the water. Um, you know, I, I think that that's, that's as much as what, you could ask for, um, you know, that, that, uh, yeah, that you treated other people the way you'd want to be treated. And, you know, there was really nobody that I ever intentionally wrong, you know, if it, if something happened that I tried to ask for forgiveness and, and move on from it. But, um, yeah, that just that I always tried to play, play the game the right way. I think that that's more important than how many trophies you end up with. Um, just having the respect to your peers is a really big thing. Nice. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, do you have a what? What's your vision for the future, man? I I would love to see for our sport. I would love to see it grow to be as as popular. It it is popular. I mean, it, it truly is. There's more people that fish than do anything else. Um, you know, as far as any other kind of sports. I mean, that participation wise, more people participate in fishing than all the other sports individually. A lot of them combined. Um, but for it to to see it go as mainstream as something like golf, you know, to to see that what would be would be something I'd love to see in, in my time because it is to me the greatest uh, you know the greatest sport that I've ever been a part of, and uh, I, I think that it just has a lot of neat aspects. You know, we're not we're not chasing any type of a ball. Our our target's always moving literally, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, most time, unless it's on a bed, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's always moving. It's always somewhere else and you can't even see it most of the time. I mean, we're, we're fishing for something that, uh, up until some of the sonar and stuff, you, you're just expecting the fish to be over there. You know what I mean? So, uh, so that, that's, that's the neat thing with it. I just think that it, it has so many variables It's outside and it's, uh, you know, getting to enjoy God's creation. Right on, man. Right on. Well, I love getting to get to know you a little bit better. It's, that's what I love about this podcast is you get to just sit down with people that you 
you know, I mean, like maybe at that Mercury event, uh, I did get a chance to talk to Brent Eller there for mm-hmm. the longest time I've ever had a chance to talk to him. Usually, you know, I see him around and it's like, hey, Brent, what's yeah. going on? Hey, Tom, what's going on? Nice to see you. Yeah. But you never have a chance to like really sit down and yeah. and talk, you know, because you got yeah. so many other things going on and, and oh, yeah. there's just not a lot of opportunity for it anymore. And yeah. uh, it's nice to it's nice to uh, to get to know you a little bit better. And I, I hope that we'll cross paths again. But um, man, I wish you all the best of luck and and uh, in, in what you're doing and, and what you're what you're going to do, because I got a feeling that uh, that you're you're just getting started. Yeah, well, thank you, Tom. I really, yeah, it's, it's been been enjoyable to get to be on here, and uh, yeah, glad we glad we were able to make it happen, and glad to come back anytime. So, thank you very much. Right on. All right, uh, if uh, if people want to follow you, if they want to mm-hmm. uh, do whatever, whatever, how do they yep. how do they connect with you? How do they see what you're yep. doing? Yep, absolutely. On on you know all the all the major social media with uh, um, Facebook, Instagram. You can just there's not a lot of other odds, but uh, yeah, if you look up odd defo, it should be should be O-T-T. about the only one that pops up. O T T D E F O E, and then uh, same on YouTube as well. Um, we've got a YouTube channel that we're you know trying to get get to grow a little bit there, but um, but yeah, that's our that's our main stuff. Um, and Major League Fishing, the Bass Pro Tour, that's where where we compete at, and uh, a lot of that stuff's either on Outdoor Channel or Discovery Channel, um, just depending on what the event is, but. But yeah, that, that's where they can follow along. So, all right. Well, there's your new favorite angler, Ot Defoe. Uh, <laughs> all right, man. Thanks so much, Ot. We'll uh, we'll be back in touch with you soon. Have you back on? Okay. All right, man. Sounds thanks. good. Thanks, Tom.